episode of the Through the Banner podcast. It's very rare that this podcast gets two episodes out in the space of one week, but that is the kind of productivity that we are going for in the lead up to finals football, finals footy. Start tonight at the Adelaide Oval. It's the power and the cats. And here with me to discuss everything about finals football, not just this weekend, but the entire four weeks, possibly five depending on if there needs to be a little bye week somewhere in there. It's Liam Webster McAllister. Welcome back, Liam. It's a pleasure to have you, as always, on the podcast. How the hell are you, mate? Well, I would love for my team to be playing in the finals. It would, it would give me an extra sense of passion going into it, but it's always good to watch finals footy regardless, even as a neutral. So very excited to, for the upcoming finals starting tonight. Yeah, man, tell you what, your first finals football since 2017 where you don't have to be worried about the results must feel nice. Yes, yes. It's, it's um, yeah, I can go in with a very um, easy mindset of, you know, just enjoy the games and not have to sit there on the edge of my seat worrying. Now, I want to ask you a question because I completely forgot to bring this up in the episode earlier this week, so I want to bring it up now. In your opinion, which game was the best game of the home and away season i mean you know you, you, you got to think through a lot of games here and there's there's countless games which i've watched this year which have been memorable which i which ironically i can't remember um but with that being said the ones that stick to my mind are uh round one and the last round so we're going from the start to the end and it's the essendon hawthorne one pointer in round one an absolute classic comeback from the Hawks, um, which I obviously, being a Collingwood supporter, enjoyed thoroughly. But also, the last round was. You just had to bring it up. <laughs> it is yeah. I knew, I knew you were going to do it. I, I was thinking, Casper, do not ask this question. He's going to bring up round one Hawthorne on the Essendon, and you did it. I knew it. I knew yeah. it. But the other one, and I don't know if I can give you one game here, but I'm going to give you three. And I'm going to give them all from the last round because I think the last round was probably the best round of football heading into finals that we've probably ever seen. You saw the Bulldogs and Port Adelaide battle it out in an absolutely awesome game. You saw, you know, the last game for Clarkson, Burgoyne, Asprey, Hooley, et cetera, and in an unbelievable circumstances draw. You also saw, obviously, Brisbane beat West Coast by, you know, I think it was seven points was enough for them to creep into the four. Um, seven points, you know, they cleared the the uh, threshold to make it by seven points. And you also, yeah, and then you also saw the Melbourne and Geelong game. So take your pick, really, from those games in the last round. You could all make an argument for any of those being the best game of the of the year, I'd say. And then obviously, there's probably a couple of games from earlier in the year which you'll probably bring up, I imagine. Round 23 sure had some absolute blockbusters, daisy dupes, whatever metaphor you want to use. They were absolutely incredible. Uh, but don't forget round 13, where on the one weekend you had Adelaide recovering from a six-goal to nil start to clinch the game with Riley Philthorpe, the incredible goal over his head. Um and then you had the incredible drawdown in Tasmania with the Giants coming back from 28 points down or so, which arguably, in hindsight, helped them secure a spot in the finals. And then, as if it couldn't get more dramatic, 
the incredible fight back from West Coast, 22 points down midway through the last quarter to win. Was the pass to Kennedy uh, 15 metres? Probably not, but a fantastic goal nevertheless and a great mark in defence from Shannon Hearn with just a few seconds to go. But for me, all the great games, Hawthorne, Essendon round one, the first Sydney Derby when the Giants won by two points, the Swans versus Geelong, um, all the great games this year pale in comparison to Melbourne versus Geelong round 23. And it's not just the game. It's not just the result. It's the meaning behind it. It's a 57-year drought in terms of not finishing on top of the ladder, being broken, and all the stars aligning now for Melbourne, which we'll get to in a second. Okay, now, if, you're, if you're a fan of Omens, if you're a fan of Omens, and if you gamble responsibly, gamble responsibly, man, I would be betting my house on Melbourne. And that's not responsible gambling. But also, I, I have a habit of cursing teams. So any Melbourne supporters listening to this, I'm sorry. And also... Um, please do not bet your house on football results. I think it's safe to say, Casper, that uh, the AFL and the clubs and the players saved the best for last in terms of the season. No, absolutely. Now let's get into finals football. Finals football, normally when the players who are the best teams, you know, they separate themselves, the best players in the competition really kind of stand out from the rest, even more so in September. You will think of Luke Hodge, Mr. September, even doing it in October in the 2015 Grand Final. Uh, don't forget Joel Selwood as well. Tom Hawkins in the 2011 Grand Final, which I really turned the tide of that game in that third or fourth quarter. Um, Tom Boyd in the 2016 Grand Final. I could go on and go on and go on and go on and go on. I want to ask you, which player are you most looking forward to watching this final series and why? Um, I mean, oof, take your pick. There's so many good players who are going to be on display in this final series. Um, for me, I'd probably have to say, for me, I want to see a big final series from Petrarca. I think he is going to be the key for Melbourne heading into this final series. He's like the Dustin Martin of Melbourne or, you know, that explosive player that, you know, every team has, the Bontempelli at the Bulldogs, you know, the Dangerfield at Geelong, those sorts of... The stringer of the Yeah, bomb. the stringer, you know, the Dugowies, those sorts of players who can break a game open. I think Petrarca is that man for Melbourne. And obviously, he's been with them a couple of years. He had that final series a couple of years ago. But I think Melbourne are a lot better set up this year to make a proper push in the final series than they were, you know, a few years ago. And I think Petrarca's definitely, you know, developed as a player in those few years. Um, but I think for me, he's the man to watch. He's hitting his prime, I think, about now, or at least, you know, it seems he's coming into his prime now. He's at a club which has huge um, expectations on their shoulders. So for that reason, Petrarca's my man to watch this finals. How about yourself? Yep, fair call. Uh Final series, especially in close games, obviously, it comes down to individual brilliance. And for me, there is no player this final series who can, I think, take the game by the scruff of the neck through individual brilliance consistently, like uh, Charlie Cameron, the Brisbane Lions. This, especially Saturday night against Melbourne, you know, Brisbane probably go into that game as underdogs. 
It's primed Saturday night football, the entire nation watching him. This is when players like Charlie Cameron stand up. I wouldn't be surprised if he kicks a bag of four or five, at least you know once, if not twice, during this final series. So, yeah, it'll come down to, uh, if I can, though, I'll mention a second player. 992. 992. And he's playing against a team where this year he's kicked five goals against them and four goals against them on two separate occasions. Combine them together, that's nine goals, and it would get him to 1,001 goals. Can he get the 1,000 goals this year, Buddy Franklin? Can he get the 1,000 goals this year? There has been no player in the history of the competition that has been as exciting, as consistently exciting as Buddy Franklin. And even when people can't go to the footy, he's still making people turn on their television or tune into KO or watch AFL overseas to watch him do his thing. He is buddy brilliant, as always. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes on Saturday. And if the Swans win, obviously beyond that. Now, Optus Stadium has been declared as the backup venue in case the MCG can't get a crowd, which is probably likely. Now, as a Victorian, of course it hurts that the MCG is not going to be available. But to be honest with you, as a Victorian with a brain, I could kind of see it coming. Now, Optus Stadium, um, I want to ask you, Liam, is Optus Stadium the right choice? Should they have gone with the Adelaide Oval? Should they have gone back to back to Brisbane? Um, I, I think the Optus Stadium is a good choice. Obviously, they had Brisbane last year. Um, which was, you know, it was a great occasion, obviously. Um, but we have to keep in mind that, you know, the AFL wants capacity. Um, Optus Stadium has, I think, the best capacity of the, uh, you know, stadiums available. So they probably were going to pick that for that first reason. Um, but also Optus Stadium has going in its favour is that it's a very similar ground to the AFL. It was built with that kind of, um, you know, mentality they wanted it to be similar to the mcg um and also i I think you know giving it a different venue this year um having already done it in brisbane seems like an appropriate choice so i think optus stadium isn't necessarily a bad choice i'm pretty happy with the decision um but how about yourself Sixty thousand people that so long as nothing happens with covid knock on wood the Western Australian government has promised the AFL 60,000 people. Conversely, the South Australian government said, we'll give you a crowd of 30,000 people. You won't get a crowd at the MCG, so that's ruled out. As much as it would be incredible to have the grand final in Tasmania, even if you allow full crowds, 100% capacity, maximum you'll get 20,000 people. The venue simply isn't big enough. Do you go to Queensland? Mm, maybe. But I think with how many outbreaks Queensland has had recently, it's a, it's, it's a risk. Um, you know, you look at WA and you look at how well they can control outbreaks. I think, it's, I think you have to do it. The only concern I have is imagine the scenario. It's grand final day and 10 a.m., 11 a.m., news filters through that there's one or two positive cases in Perth. 
and Martin Gowan said, don't, don't, don't do it, Casper. Don't go proud at the footy. Now, AFL 360, um, I think it was them who discussed this. It was um, uh, Jared Wheatley and I think Nick Rewalt discussed this possibility. My question is for the AFL, what do you then do as a backup plan? Do you go to Adelaide and have the grand final on the next day, on Sunday, Sunday grand final? Do you wait in Perth for a week to see if they can control and just have it the week after that? Which might mean two weeks with between the prelim finals and the grand final. Also, what about that buy? I want to get your opinion on it. Is that buy, is the grand final date, do you think, going to be moved forward? Should it be moved forward? Should the grand final be played on the 18th or should it be kept on the 25th? Um, I think the current day, I, I think the scheduling of the finals has been very interesting. I don't know why they didn't decide to go with the usual system. I think with everything the way it is at the moment, you know, the AFL have done a, a great job this year in terms of keeping the players safe as best as possible, adapting to, you know, the outbreaks that have happened and keeping games going very well this year. Um, so I don't know why the AFL felt the need to not have the buy this year uh, between the season and the finals. I think it's always a good option, um, especially, you know, for yourself, you know, recording episodes. You need that extra week. It's hard to arrange two episodes in one week. Come well, on, Thank Nick. you. Thank Gil, you Mc- Gil McLaughlin does not think of, you know, us journalists out there. Right. Hey, by the way, dear listener, show how much you appreciate us putting two episodes out in the space of just a few days by giving this a massive thumbs up retweet it share it whatever you gotta do whatever send it by a carrier pigeon whatever you gotta do <laughs> it's um yeah I, I i found it interesting that they didn't decide to have the buy in its usual place between round 23 and the first round of the finals um but in terms of the grand final dates i think it's you know i think the, the current date now that we've got this current schedule seems okay i think the club's you know Granted, the week is always helpful for clubs to prepare, but um, at the same time, guys just want to play footy, you know. So I, I don't think they'll be fussed about not having an extra uh, break. I think they'll just want to get out there and crack on with the footy. So for me, right, I kind of I'm torn about this because I understand it from the Western Australian government point of view, and obviously. First and foremost, football is not the most important thing. It's the safety of the people in Perth, right? Totally get that. Totally get that. And Mark McGowan, he's been like an iron giant guarding the iron gate of Western Australia in terms of not letting COVID in for the most part. And he's done a, a great job. Um, but with that being said, I kind of like the two-week break. I kind of like that idea, you know, maybe the two-week break after the prelim finals. So maybe you play both prelim finals at the Adelaide Oval, obviously depending on if Port went tonight, um, play it at the Adelaide Oval. If, if Brisbane win, then you obviously play one at the Gabba. And then you have the two-week break, get the grand final winners into WA for two weeks. And you have the build-up almost like the Super Bowl in America, where after the conference championships, you have a two-week build-up, and it's absolutely massive. You get this huge kind of groundswell going for two weeks. They talk almost non-stop, back-to-back-to-back football, predicting the game. Imagine that. Imagine the excitement of Grand Final Week times two. And that's what we're looking at. And I am thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly excited for that prospect. Um but at the same time, I also wouldn't mind if they bring it forward. To be honest with you, 
I can, I can kind of understand players wanted to be like, no, I want to go now. I want to go now. You know, let me just let me get out there. Um, players are adaptable. Clubs are adaptable. They've shown that over the last two seasons. So, you know, if the if Diego wants to bring in the bye after the semifinals, after the prelim finals, I have no doubt that that you know that's what they'll do. I don't think that they should bring it after the semifinals though, because that would mean that the qualifying finals winners has have a two week break in between playing again. Actually, technically a three week break up before they play again, which I don't think is particularly very fair, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, have it after the prelim finals. Why not? Um, now, I want to ask you kind of two similar questions, both at the same time. They can have different answers. So I'll ask you both of them. Which team can afford a loss this weekend the least? Now, obviously, dear listener, you'll be listening to this say, oh, obviously the team's fifth to eighth because that means that, you know, if they lose, they're out. But, I mean, look, if the Giants lose, they weren't supposed to make finals anyway this year. If the Giants lose, the Giants lose, you know. But if the Bulldogs lose and they get eliminated, man, that's all of a sudden. That's a massive deal. So I want to ask you, which club this weekend can ill afford a loss? Well, I've got, you know, a, a kind of a, a two-end answer. I've got the team, I think, who's under the most pressure this finals and the team that this week, I think, can't afford to lose the most. Nice. So the team for me that's under the most pressure this final series, who they, they seem to be one of the teams under the most pressure every year, it's Geelong. They keep getting there. They keep looking like one of the best teams every single year, but it's been a decade long now and they still haven't gotten another grand final despite being mm. in the finals virtually every year. So you can't say that Geelong aren't arguably the team with the most pressure on their shoulders to do well. You do mean, well, they did make the grand final last year. Yeah, obviously, but I think the success is what everyone expects of Geelong after being in the final series for all but 10 years pretty much now in a row. Um, in terms of the team that this weekend can't afford the most or can't afford a bad result, it has to be the Bulldogs. To miss out so narrowly on the top four and then to you know bow out first round would just be an absolutely catastrophic end to an otherwise really good season for the Bulldogs. They played, you know, for the most part, very well for the first... 20 or so rounds and it kind of came unstuck those last couple of rounds and now they find themselves in a position where they've got to do it the long way um and if they were to go out early it would be absolutely catastrophic for them um and there's one other club i'll just throw in there just because i think that they have the most expectation on them to do well pretty unsurprisingly it's melbourne 57 years since their last grand final 57 years since their last top of the table finish Hmm. Uh, I think the expectation is on them. So pressure's Ge Geelong, expectation's Melbourne, and uh, the team that, that can, can't afford to lose this weekend is Bulldogs. Yeah, and I 100% agree with you on all those. A 57-year drought, that's a long time. That is a very, very long time to go between drinks. It's one of the longest premiership droughts in history. It's easily Melbourne's longest premiership drought. In that time, since 1964, they've made two grand finals, Melbourne, and in both of those games, they've come up against absolute juggernauts. In 1988, they come up against the Hawks of the 80s. No team, maybe except for Essendon in 84, 85, and Carlton in 87. No team beat Hawthorne in, in a grand final during that stretch. They were football's invincibles for almost a decade. And unsurprisingly, Melbourne got smashed. 
And then 2000 had a great season, won their last, I think, 13 or 14 games of that year to march into the grand final. They smashed reigning premiers North Melbourne in the uh, in the prelim the week before. Okay, great. Problem was they were coming up against us. And unsurprisingly, they got blitzed. So this year, there's no juggernaut. The juggernauts of the last few seasons, West Coast and Richmond, aren't playing finals football. This is the best opportunity that Melbourne has had since 1964. Expectation is there. You know, I was going to say Geelong as a team most under pressure, but I'm going to say Melbourne as well. I'm going to put Melbourne ahead of Geelong because at least Geelong has had recent premierships. So if they don't win this one, then, you know, Cats fans can go, oh, we at least we have 2007, 2009, 2011. Melbourne fans, unless you're really old, you're not going to remember 1964. Taking a shot at those people that can remember the 1964 premiership. No disrespect, full respect to you guys, obviously. But those um, are the diehard fans out there who have stuck by it through, you know, thick and thin. So loyal, so loyal, those Melbourne supporters, man. So loyal. But, you know, they, they used to be the best team in the competition, Melbourne. You know, that 10-year stretch from 1954 to 1964, they won like six or seven premierships during those 11 seasons. Like, that's an incredible strike rate. Uh, and then they've just fallen off a cliff ever since. And imagine in a year where Melbourne is in lockdown again and, you know, Victoria is in disarray with the COVID virus and there's uncertainty trying to hit the vaccine rate. Imagine if Melbourne managed to break their drought this year. Obviously, it's a shame that it won't happen at a packed-out MCG, but imagine the joy it would bring to this city if the demons finally rule over the AFL again and if hell freezes over. It would be so exciting. Um, but obviously... If they lose this weekend, that's okay because then they get that they get that second chance, they get that double chance. Uh, the Bulldogs, on the other hand, imagine this scenario: if they lose to the Bombers on Sunday, in the space of four weeks, they've gone from top of the ladder, Premiership favourites after beating Melbourne comfortably in round twenty, to all of a sudden eliminated again in the first week of the finals for the third year in a row. And it's interesting, right? Luke Beveridge, every um. Every year that he's made finals football, 2015, 2016, 2019, 2020, right? We don't know about 2021, but in the four seasons he's made finals football so far, only one of them he's actually won finals in. 2015, lost to the Crows, eliminated first week of the finals. 2019, got crushed by the Giants, eliminated. 2020, nearly beat St. Kilda, but fell just short of an epic comeback. Pressure's on the dogs. Pressure is absolutely on the dogs because now is the, their, their window to be contending, right? And if Melbourne doesn't win the premiership this year, you think, okay, well, you know, they, they're, they're, they're young, et cetera, et cetera. You look at the dogs and you think they should be contending this year. You look at Melbourne at the start of the season, two completely different um, set of expectations. You thought the dogs would finish top four. I didn't think Melbourne would make the eight. And now the dogs could be eliminated before the semifinals and Melbourne our premiership favourites. Isn't it incredible what 22 weeks can do? But I think dogs under most pressure this weekend to win, demons under the most pressure overall and with the uh, greatest um, uh, greatest amount of expectations as well. Jeez, if you're a Melbourne supporter, this will be the most nervous four weeks of your entire life. Good luck. I wish you well. Um, now, uh, ready to ask that question, ready to ask that question. I think it's about time 
that we discuss the final series as a whole. I want to ask you, who's your tip for the Premiership and who's going to finish runners-up and why? Oh, man, you put me on the spot here. That's such a hard question in a year where, like you said, there isn't a juggernaut. It's it's such a it's it's such an even competition this year. You know, the last four or five years, you know, we've had Richmond uh, who have been really good. You had that spell of a year or two where Collingwood looked like they were, you know, red hot to potentially win it. Um, and now we're in a position where you've got a couple of teams who have huge expectations on their shoulders, but it's kind of so hard to call which team you think would win. Um, but for the fairy tale, I will say I'm going to give Melbourne the dream to win it. Um, I think it will be, I don't know how the fixtures are going to play. I haven't looked into it enough, but I reckon if there is the possibility that they were to play, uh, well, I think there, yeah, that would work. Um, I think they'll play Geelong in the grand final. I think it'll be a second year of heartbreak for the Cats. And I think Melbourne will get their fairy tale win after 57 years. You love to see it. Uh, I mean, the Melbourne Melbourne winning, not so much Geelong losing. No, Ge- no Geelong fans, don't leave the podcast yet. No, I didn't mean I didn't mean you losing. I didn't mean you losing. I agree with you on Melbourne winning. I'm tipping them to break their 57 year drought, but I'm not tipping Geelong to win. I'm tipping it to be a Melbourne versus Port Adelaide grand final. You know, interesting little statistic. It's been since 2014 that we've actually had a grand final featuring first and second on the ladder. Isn't that interesting? And the first time, like 2013, was the last time that the minor premier actually won the grand final. Isn't that interesting? Because you would think that minor premiership would almost almost be like a gateway into the grand final. But uh, no, it's almost like a double-edged sword, almost like a poison chalice. You, you can't just, you know, it, it hasn't worked. You think, what, 20, 2014 Swans lost the grand final, 2015 Fremantle didn't make it, 2016 Swans lost the grand final. It's just, like, it's kind of ridiculous. Even crazier, 2017 was the last time that the minor premier actually played in the grand final. I mean, you want to talk about minor premiers and somehow not winning the grand final, look no further than 2011 Collingwood, literally just slapped every team by 60 points, 70 points, 80 points. The only team they lost to throughout the entirety of the 2011 season was Geelong. Every three times they lost to Geelong. Every other team they beat and nobody else beat them that year. That's like the ultimate finish on top of the ladder but still somehow not pull it off. Your salty tears are delicious, my friend. You know, it's an interesting little, uh, interesting little uh, omens here. 1964, last time that Melbourne finished on top of the ladder, also the last time that Melbourne won the premiership. Tokyo hosted the Summer Olympics that year. Not only that, but the last team to secure the minor premiership with a goal after the siren, which also happened to be by their captain, mind you, was Carlton in 1987, Four weeks later, the Blues won the Premiership. I mean, Mike, if Melbourne can't win the Premiership after all that, then frankly, I don't know what's wrong with them. Like the stars, the planets are aligning for you, Melbourne. Geez, the planets are aligning for you. And and uh, the, the devil, it's starting to get out the ice cube maker. Hell is starting to freeze over. Man, jo, jo, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for this final series. And it starts off with an exciting weekend of football. Finally, we get into the tips. 
It's the power and the cats tonight at the Adelaide Oval. Liam, who are you going to go for? Will it be, interestingly enough, this is this will be the fifth time that these two teams have played each other in finals football, and it's split two apiece. Two games they've played in Adelaide so far, the power have won both, once in 2004, once last year. Two of them in Melbourne, Geelong won, obviously semi-final in 2013, and, well, the 2007 grand final, which for the sake of the mental health of all Port Adelaide supporters listening to this podcast episode, we won't get into too much. But who will break the dead, uh, the uh, the deadlock here? This, for me, is the hardest game to call, I mm. think. Um, you've got the bonus for Port Adelaide being, of course, they're playing at home. Um, but for the same... But the problem is with that, both these teams are in incredible form. Uh, you know, bar, of course, the loss for Melbourne, uh, Melbourne, Geelong in the last... They had a couple of losses towards the end. But prior to that, they went on a great run as well. So you've got two teams who, okay, granted, Port Adelaide are in a little bit better form. They've been, you know, they've won their last, what, six or so now, I think, running, or maybe more. Yeah, Yeah, six. They've won their last six in a row. Geelong had a great run, but obviously it kind of came unstuck the last couple of rounds and catastrophic circumstances for them, of course which, you know, cost them the uh, the venue and obviously their opponent um, changing. But I think I think everything has to point to Port Adelaide, even though I think this game is the hardest to call. I still th- feel like you've got to go with the logic here. And even though I think this game could go absolutely either way, because I think it's going to be the be- arguably, in my opinion, the best game of the weekend, um, I have to go logical. And I think the team on form at home, Port Adelaide, will get the win by a close eight-point margin. I agree with you. I think we'll come down to a battle of the key forwards. Charlie Dixon versus Tom Hawkins. And yeah, I know Geelong's also got, you know, Jeremy Cameron and and um, Jeremy Cameron and Gary Rowan, but it'll come down to Tom Hawkins. He had an awful night last year in Adelaide. And he kicked, what, I think one goal six or one goal five or something like that. And it cost them the game. So, I think it depends. It depends on the um, the the matchups down back. You know, um, Geelong's backline versus, uh, sorry, minus Tom Stewart is going to be really tough to to handle. Charlie Dixon, I think. I think it'll be um, licking its chops. Big uh, Big Dixon just looking at the lack of key defenders down at Geelong and just thinking, yeah, no, this is shaping up pretty nicely um, for me. Um, on the other end, it will be Tom Hawkins versus Aaliyah Aaliyah, I think. Or maybe Jeremy Cameron versus Aaliyah Aaliyah. Aaliyah Aaliyah quite possibly shapes as the most important player in uh, in this game. He he had a pretty terrible game. Low-key, before we go on game. about Aaliyah Aaliyah, he's another player that we probably didn't speak enough about when we were talking about our uh, players we're mostly, most excited to watch about because... Mm. Watch about, watch play. <laughs> um, you know he's had one of the best years a defender has had in years. So I think he's definitely a uh, a bit of a, a smoky for best player of the final series if things go well for Port. Agreed. And the only game this year that I saw him at, that I saw at Port at least where he where he was out of its depth almost was against Geelong in round thirteen, where the Cats did beat the Power at the Adelaide Oval. But I think you know who learned from that game. I think the Power will learn from that game. They're a different side, 
Port Adelaide in finals football. They're really good. And I think they're going to win. It's going to be another epic. It's going to be even closer than last year. Last year was pretty close, 15 points. I'm tipping the power by nine in a thriller. Now we go down to Tasmania. Congratulations, Tasmania. Congratulations, Bonsets, in your first game of finals football. I'm so excited for it. Um, I've looked at the weather forecast. Unfortunately, for Sunday, it's looking like it will be a wet one. But hopefully we'll get a little bit of sunshine on Saturday. It's the Sydney Derby. They've been played in Perth on the Gold Coast, and now down in Launceston, the Sydney Derby. It's the Swans and the Giants. The Giants going for three strikes, and you're out against the Sydney Swans in finals derbies. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but because of Callum Mills missing and because of Josh Kennedy also being out for the Sydney Swans, because of those outs and because the Giants are in such a rich vein of form, I'm tipping the Giants to get the three-peat against the Swans by three goals. And you're looking at me like I'm crazy, but consider this. For such a young team like the Swans, any experience that you lose, especially when it's Josh Kennedy with that level of experience, automatically makes you that much more vulnerable. And look, it's totally possible Buddy could kick 15 goals and the Swans could win by 80 points. But, I mean, he's done it before, 13 goals down in Tasmania. Um Look, honestly, I just think the Giants players, I think they're, they're, they're in better form at the moment. They've had, a, what, three or four great wins in a row. Um, the Swans, bad loss against St. Kilda, unconvincing win against North Melbourne. And, I mean, yeah, sure, they smashed the Suns, but it's the Suns. Like, no disrespect, Gold Coast, but, I mean, you know, they're not exactly the Harlem Globetrotters of the competition, far more like the Washington Wizards. Um I really hope that no Gold Coast players listen to this. Um, so, yeah. I'm taking t- shots. I'm t- you, you, you just love to shoot people down, don't you? Caro's arrow? No, it's more like Casper's catapult. I'm tipping the Giants to win by three goals. How about you, Liam? Can the Swans finally beat the Giants in a final? I mean, Sydney arguably the hardest team to read heading into this finals. Because I've got an unbelievable record, well, a very good record against the top eight this year, at least, for the majority of the year. Um, but at the same time, it is a very young team. And yes, their form has come a bit undone towards the back end of the season. So it makes them hard to predict. Are we going to see the Swans of earlier in the year who looked like they were just flying on adrenaline, you know, full of youthful exuberance? Or are we going to see that, you know, maybe this long season has caught up with them and maybe they're not got the experience in the final series that, you know, the sort of teams like GWS do have who have been, you know, in the finals now for the majority of the last five or six years. Um, it makes it such a hard game to call. Um, I'm, I'm going to tip Sydney. I, I really like Sydney um, and the Giants, you know. I really like Sydney too. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 again, all these games this weekend are relatively hard to call, but I'm going to pick Sydney because I think that, there's a lot about them to like. Um, so I'm going to pick them to get over the line by 14 points. Now we head to, or also just interesting on this one, I just wonder whether or not the contract problem with Luke Parker, will he stay at the Swans? Will he not stay at the Swans? I just wonder if that's going to be a distraction for them this weekend. On to the second game at the Adelaide Oval. It's the Demons versus the Lions. Both teams with a lot to prove this final series. It's going to be a blockbuster, you'd reckon. Uh, what about you, Liam? Who's going to win? Will it be the 
D's or will it be D's Lions getting the win? Thank you. Thank you for enjoying that panel. <laughs> well, the last time I was on the podcast, we were discussing whether the Lions could refine their form heading into the back end of the season. And I thought they would win at least two of their last three, if not all three. And long and behold, they've done just that. They've won three of their last three. They've found their feet. They look ready. They're storming into the finals in great form. But problem is they've got a team who haven't just won their last three. They've won their last four in Melbourne. So you've got, <laughs> if, you're, if you're a Brisbane fan, you have all reason to be flying high. You know, you're, you're scraped into the top four miraculously, um, which, of course, gives you that buffer, you know, that safety net that if you do lose, you've still got that hope heading into next week. Um, it, again, you've got two teams who have got a lot to prove, who are in pretty good form, um, but you've got to go for the fairy tale. You know, Melbourne have just done so well this year. Um, you know, such an inspirational win, obviously, last week. Um, so, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back Melbourne in, and I think they're going to do it in reasonable fashion, 23 points with a, a little bit of a late flurry to get away from the Lions. Yep, fair. I'm tipping the Ds by 21 points as well. I wouldn't be surprised if due to that second half, um, all the way back in round 12 when they played each other at Giant Stadium, whether or not that gives the Demons a giant mental edge advantage over Brisbane. Um, to be honest with you, yeah, I'm, I think this is more sentimental favourite, to be honest, I think with a lot of people. Um, I think a lot of people, especially if you don't have teams in the final series this year, will be going for Melbourne to win. This kind of feels like the dogs in 2016. There's, there's a kind of a destiny about them. Um, but that being said, Brisbane would take a lot of confidence out of that first half back in round 12 that they can match it with Melbourne, not just match it, but they can comfortably uh toy with the demons but i do think melbourne's going to win a similar margin i'm tipping them by 21 points and on to sunday afternoon football it's your dogs versus my beloved bombers man you know it's a really interesting step see if i can uh, pull it up here on my phone i took a photo of it a screenshot of it uh interesting here um Footy classified, Matthew Lloyd and Ross Lyon, the potential new head coach of the Carlton Football Club. Looking at the Western Bulldogs from round one to round 20, uh, round one to round 19, and then round 20 to round 23. Clearance differentials, first uh, 19 rounds of the season, they were first on a ladder. Ever since then, first in the competition in that category, ever since then, they've, they're, they're now 17th. Uh, points from clearances, they were second, they're now 15th. Points conceded from clearances, they were first, and now they're 17th in the competition. In that same time, in that same three or four-week stretch where the dogs have flipped off, the Bombers have become either the best or the second-best team in the competition from scoring from centre bounces, and that's where they won the game against the Dogs a few weeks earlier. So I don't know what it is about this Dogs midfield. Maybe Bevo has to, you know, take him for a dip in the bass straight or something to wake them up the morning of the game. They've got to do something. They have to change something up. I don't know what it is. Maybe listen to heavy metal music just to get the blood pumping. Um, but they've completely fallen off a cliff. And this game here shapes up as a great opportunity for Essendon. It's our best opportunity, arguably, since 2014 to win a final. Um, 6,200 
whatever days it was. I'm so looking forward to whether it's this year, whether it's next year, whenever it is, seeing that get reset to zero, I will be the happiest day of my life. It will be the happiest day of my life. Forget being accepted to university. Forget any birthdays that I've had. Forget anything. Forget forget graduating from high school. Forget anything like that. That will be the greatest moment of my life. And it will be something that I will never, ever, ever forget. I'll be telling my grandkids about that moment. Frame that moment on the wall, Casper. 100%. 100%. <laughs> or just get the picture blown up and I'll just have it hanging from my ceiling. Maybe like a, maybe, maybe I'll put it in my bedroom instead of, you know, how. You can fall asleep at night looking at yeah, that, exactly. that game. Exactly. Having nice sleeps, nice dreams, nice memories about the time that we finally won a final. Um, I am tipping more with my heart than my head on this one because part of me expects the dogs to bounce back eventually um, because on paper they're still the best midfield in the competition. Um, but the problem is with the lack of a Ruckman, and Stefan Martin's not in the game, they haven't brought him back. With the lack of a Ruckman, it's almost like it doesn't matter who you play in the midfield. It's like what Ross Lyon says. If you're losing the Ruck tap, you're always reactive instead of active. And Sam Draper it's, has hit a, a rich vein of form, a rich vein of form. So Luke Jackson winning the uh, Ryzen Star Award, congrats to him. Sean Darcy at Fremantle had a great season. Arguably, you could say Sam Draper is the third best young ruckman in the competition. So I'm super excited to see him develop. Um, yeah, I'm tipping the Bombers to win. I don't care if it's a biased tip. I'm tipping the Bombers to blitz the Bulldogs. What about you, Liam? Can your dogs get some bite back or will we leave them toothless and winless in finals again? Well, look, you mentioned all those stats and all these things that suggest the Bulldogs don't have a hope. Well, okay, that's probably going a bit far, but the point of the Bulldogs potentially falling short against the Bombers. But the thing is, if you asked Luke, Luke Beveridge at the start of the year, if you can pick one opponent to come up against to save your season and to keep yourself alive against, who do you think he would have picked? The one team that he had beaten up until, you know, a couple of weeks ago, every single time he'd coached against. And not just beaten every single time he'd coached against, absolutely embarrassed many times that he'd played against. So I think Beveridge will be licking his lips at the prospect of playing Essendon in this elimination final because it's probably the one game that he would have said, you know what, I back myself in nine times out of ten in this. You know what's really interesting, though? You mentioned that. Ben Russin has never lost to the Bulldogs either as head coach. <laughs> okay, you know I mean, what? Ten- I'll give you credit for that. You know, Rutten hasn't lost to the Bulldogs. True. Um, can't argue with facts, mate. Can't argue with facts. The fact, the fact is... Um, Beveridge has lost more times to the to Essendon than Rutten has to the Bulldogs. So, you know. Nicely, exactly. Facts would suggest in that case it could be picking the Bombers. But I, I think that, um, you know, you tipped with your heart more than your head. I'm tipping with both my head and my heart here. <laughs> I'm going to back the Bulldogs to right the wrong right that they had a couple of weeks ago against the Dons. And they're not just going to beat them. They're going to do it in fashionable style. They're going to win by 37 points. And Ooh. the Bombers are going to get blitzed out of their mind. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. You know what's interesting? Russ Lyon and Matthew Lloyd brought this um, clip up. You've got to 
and I agree with what Rosaline said. If you're the Bulldogs, you have to send Libertore to Jake Stringer at center bounces and say, watch him, mind him like uh, like a bulldog, right? Mind him like a like a like a guard dog and stay by his side, right? Make sure he doesn't get football and make sure he doesn't get possessions. They showed clips of Stringer at center bounces in round 21, and no one's standing on him. Bailey Smith is standing off of him. Adam Trelaw is standing off of him. Center clearance after center clearance after center clearance after center clearance. And they showed one right at the end. Libertore standing next to him, right, putting a hand on him. As soon as he gets the ball, boom, tackle. Yeah, I think Beveridge will have learned his mistake from round 21. I think there'll be a lot tighter marking on Jake Stringer. Wear him like a glove. But my question is, the only problem I think for the Bombers is scoring. Because understandably, you know, we don't have Anthony McDonald to the Woody and, you know, we hope that he's okay and everything and that he's doing well. Um, But without him and without Harrison Jones playing, obviously you're hoping for a speedy recovery. You're kind of relying on Peter Wright to repeat the heroics of the seven-goal straight haul that he kicked. Um, And whilst I think it's possible that he can do that, he hasn't proven yet that he can routinely kick bags. So the only question mark... Very promising, He's been a very promising player for you guys to see. He is. You know, he's good against the Suns and good against the Pies as well, but I just wonder whether or not he can do it. Alex Keith, I believe, is playing. He wasn't playing around 21. Whether or not he's fully fit, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I think the ball movement is a major problem for the Bulldogs as well because not only did Essendon tear them up, not only did Port Adelaide tear them apart, but Hawthorne tore them apart too. You know, Hawthorne, a team that up until a couple of weeks ago were looking like a certain bottom four team, got rid of their coach and arguably the most... Yeah. You can slot them guys into the finals right now and they'd be a contender. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. Jeez, as the Clarkson last year should have said that I was leaving the club. Maybe they would have made finals this year. But anyways, um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm excited for this game. But I'll be honest with you, it's I'm too nervous to say that this is the game I'm most looking forward to. So instead, I'll say the Giants and the Swans because these two teams normally play really good games against each other. Toby Green, Buddy Franklin, um, uh Flipping um, Callum Ward, Luke Parker, Ollie Florence, Shane Mumford, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, this, this, there's so many talented players in this game and they normally play great games against each other. Um, there's so many storylines to it. Can the Giants win their third in a row against the Swans in finals? Can Buddy reach the thousand? Who's going to win? Which team is going to head back to Sydney disappointed? Uh, it's a battle for Rugby League Heartland, and I'm so excited for that one. Um, and because, you know, I think the Giants are going to win, I don't have any real pressure for this game. You know, either way, if I'm if I'm right, then at least I get a tip right. You know, if the Swans win, I get the tip wrong, but at least the Swans win. Which game are you most looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, every game is going to be a great watch. Um, I don't think any game here is... A certainty. I don't think you can look at any of these games this weekend and say, you know what, that team's going to win. You know, okay, I, I said that I backed the Bulldogs very strongly against Essendon, but Essendon have been very good this back end of the season. You know, they have proven that they could pull off the result. Um, they beat the Bulldogs a couple of weeks ago, obviously. Um, but for me, the, the the game that I struggled the hardest to make a decision on was the first game tonight, Port Adelaide and Geelong. So that's got to be the game I'm picking. Like you said, 
the last four times they've first they've versed each other, it's been an even, you know, uh, two apiece. So who's going to get the decider in a sense? Um, that's going to be the game I'm most excited to watch. Yep, fair enough. Uh, thank you, Liam, for joining me for this episode, man. I would wish you well for Sunday normally, and I normally I wouldn't be too hesitant to wish you well for whenever the Bulldogs play, but, um, yeah, I'm not going to do that. No, in all seriousness, though, I do hope it's a good game. You always hope that it's a good game in finals football. I, I mean, I'll put it this way. You know, you're more likely to wish the Bulldogs well than you would Collingwood, so I'll take that with at least something. Very true, very true. As I think... It's the same thing with most football supporters, to be honest with you. Uh, thank you, dear listener, for listening to this very special 2021 AFL season final preview episode of the Through the Banner podcast. Join me and a co-host next week as we dissect all the action from the first week of the finals and preview finals week two. Whether or not that's before a bye or after a bye, we'll see what happens. But until then, goodbye. Goodbye.